0: And in a nutshell, I would say that this series is all about learning to live as Jesus. Or better stated, letting us borrow our skin. As Jesus borrows our skin, how are we going to live this life, right? And we see in the early church, in the book of Acts, how many, many lived the Christ life. And I can tell you that one thing that we can point at is that the power of the Holy Spirit flowed in them and through them. And I believe that's what God wants to do with us. And as of 21st century, can I tell you, can I give you some alarming statistics? And we talk about church and we go to church. But did you realize that 80 years ago, 80% of the American population attended church regularly? They would say, I go to church. But in 1980, that figure had dropped to 40%. Today, which is 40 years years later, it's under 25%. And I will tell you that there are statistics that say that the projection and the way that we're headed is that the number will drop to about 10%. 10%. So why do we even mention this stuff? Why why do we even talk about this stuff? Because if we continue to keep doing church like we have been in America, we'll soon see in our lifetime that we will become unchurched like other countries, like Canada, Europe, elsewhere in the Western world, where people no longer look to Christianity or the church for spiritual help. Well, this is why the church exists. This is why we gather together, not only so we can have compassion on one another, but to really, really reveal who we are in our spirits. Spiritual help. And so even more than ever, we, we need to know that the church is a gathering of saints. It's a place where we come together to know and learn who we are in Christ. To see ourselves as Jesus sees us. This is why we exist. This is why it's important for us to be able to gather, to know, to know who we are. And so, by looking at our world today, I know many people are confused and they have questions on what's going on. And and, and some might even think, and some of you online might even think today, well, or is the gospel still effective? Is the church still doing its job or even this? Is God doing anything in this world? <laughs> if he is, where's he at? What's happening? Is the message of the gospel, is it is it good enough? And, and maybe some of us have been skeptical by the things we see, the division we see in our world today. and And... And, and we, it causes more confusion and more chaos. And, and we end up thinking a thought like this, well, is this really what Jesus had in mind? Is this what He was thinking about long before the foundations of the world, that there was going to be chaos and destruction and division and all this stuff? Or, or maybe maybe some of us have walked in there, walked in here with a preconceived notion, of the way we were brought up, meaning our theology, and it's telling us that maybe there's a rise in spiritual apathy. Maybe just people and Christians are lazy today. And you know what? Maybe it's just the sign of the times. Pastor, maybe it's just the sign of the times where it's all going to come to an end, right? And then we remember what Jesus said, the love of many would grow cold. Is that what's happening? So you just kind of throw your hands up right at the end of the day after all your questions and you say, well, I guess I, I'm supposed it's supposed to happen in God's plan. I, I guess it's supposed to happen. I mean, I, I does that sound like faith? Does it? But many of us have responded to questions like that. But hear me, because. And before I address those things, I want to encourage all of us here today. I believe that Jesus is still the ultimate church builder. I still believe that Jesus is building his church. That no matter what's happening on the outside, No matter what's happening in our society, I believe Jesus is still doing something significant in the local church. And when I mean by church, don't don't think of a building. Think of yourself. I believe that God is doing something significant in the lives of his people, meaning that he he is making them into giants of faith. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you more than ever, we're going to need to see Jesus more clearly, more accurately. But the commission that we see modeled for us in the lives of the earliest followers of Jesus, um, we get this, and the promise of Jesus himself said this, that no matter what, no matter what Will happen no matter what is happening, he will build his church, and as Matthew 16 18 says it for us, and the powers of hell will never prevail against it. Now, I don't know if you've ever read that verse and you've ever thought this way, but just go with me because I've never, ever, ever walked down the street of my neighborhood and a gate came to attack me. I know it sounds silly, but go with me. Never have I ever walked down the street, and a gate just flew off the hinges, and attacked me. Why do we read that verse, as if the gates of hell are on offense? Can I tell you, a gate is used to keep anything out. (laughs) You have light inside of you. You have the gospel inside of you. So, Being that you have the light everywhere that you go in this world that has darkness, you bring light, and the gates of hell cannot keep the light out. Are you hearing me? (laughs) You are the light. What a promise for us today! Because many people are trapped in thinking that hell is on offense. No, can I tell you, God is on offense. God is, is empowering people like you and I, for those of you that are online today, empowering people like us to take this light, to take this gospel into areas of our world so that there's no darkness ever again. And if you're glad for that, you can give Jesus some praise. Come on. So the can't keep you out. Let me just bring this home because I feel I need to do this. But if you're staring at something in your family, if you're dealing with something in your family, then you declare that the gates of hell cannot keep me out. <laughs> you have light. If you're trying to start a business, if you're anywhere in your community or you're trying to get influence or anything, hear me when I say you start declaring the gates of hell cannot keep me out. It can't. Okay, that should give you real hope. Hey, as I'm speaking today to you, that's giving me real hope as well. It's a great motivation for us today. Because what's happening is you and I begin to desire something bigger. And can I tell you, each and one of us are called to something bigger than ourselves. And that's the church. That's the church. We're called to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Something big that is going to impact not only this generation, but the next generation. The next generation. And and I truly believe that all of us are a part of that. But but when I think about the new, do you know what I believe the new is? The new is, is a new reformation of not just knowing that we're saved by grace, but knowing how to live by his grace. See, some of us know that we have been saved by grace. Some of us have even experienced that we've been kept by grace. And some of us even know what it means to be carried by grace. But a lot of us are growing up and maturing in this revelation of Christ in me that now we're knowing how to be empowered by grace. And it's different when you know that you can be empowered by grace. You know what happens? You begin to dream a little bigger. You begin to see yourself the way God sees you. You begin to forgive people. You begin to give to your local church. You begin to see people as the treasure of heaven. Hey, you begin to move past addictions and on to freedom. Am I talking to anybody today? And it's true that Jesus, hear me. It's true that Jesus' greatest accomplishment—I think all of us can agree—his greatest accomplishment here on earth was dying and raising and giving his life to you. What an accomplishment! Amazing, and we should celebrate that every single moment that we get to. You hear me. You and I can't die physically on the cross. That—that that was reserved. For Jesus and only Jesus. He died your death. He did. He was your substitute. And look at what Romans 6, chapter 8 says that if He died your death, then you live with Him. That He died your death, then you also live with Him. In other words, that we can live lives that are animated by His power and His presence through the Holy Spirit. Now, hear me. If you are, if you're in here, you you are experiencing what it is to be human and divinity. Many of us haven't tapped into what it what it is to uh, uh, express divinity, but all of us have experienced humanity. If you've ever been hurt. If you ever felt shame, if you ever felt guilt, right? If you ever felt worthless, welcome to humanity. (laughs) If you've ever been tempted, welcome to humanity. If you ever felt what it was like to lose somebody, welcome to humanity. The Bible said that even Jesus wept. He experienced humanity. But then there's this other part of Jesus that you and I are called to connect with, and that's divinity. (laughs) See, I believe Jesus came so that he could experience humanity, so that we can be reminded that, yes, in our human emotions and feelings and hurts and pains, there's still a better part of us that remains, which is divinity. And I believe Jesus came to reveal that inside of each and every single one of us that if he died our death, then we also live with him. First John 2.9 says it like this, that whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So how did Jesus walk? How did he do it? What was the life that he modeled for us? What did it look like? What did he actually mean when he said, hey, come follow me? What was he saying? I believe that, What Jesus meant for his disciples at that time and what he means for us today is that he meant that he wanted us to learn and depend upon him to the exact extent that Jesus depended on the Father. (laughs) Think about that. Because the invitation for this Christ life, hey, is way more than we have made it out to be. It's to learn, to trust, to rest in Jesus, just as Jesus trusted in the Father. Now, how can I say that? Well, Jesus said a lot of things that made it clear to us that he trusted in his Father. He said things like this, I only do what the Father tells me. Jesus also said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And then he says, I am in the Father, and he is in me. Are you getting the picture? Jesus trusted the Father a lot. (laughs) And then he says this, I and the Father, we are one. You are called to trust in Jesus in the same way Jesus trusts in the Father. And did you realize that in John 17, Jesus actually prays for you? He prays that you would have a relationship with him, just as Jesus had a relationship with the Father. Isn't that amazing? Now, now I like to believe, and I know for certain that Jesus pretty much gets his prayers answered. That wasn't a wishful thing. So hear me when I say this, that you're, you're here today, and those of you online, you're you're tuning in. But hear me, It's this is not a routine thing that we do. This is a relationship. We're building a relationship right now. You're you're learning more of your father's characteristics. Each and every day, you're learning who you are. And you're becoming intimate, knowing who he is through and through. And so in John 1.14, this is going to be our guiding verse for today. Are you ready? I invite you to turn, turn there with me. Or you can use your Calvary app. And you can take notes that way, but this is what it says. Are you ready? The Word became flesh. (laughs) The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Get this because what a picture for us today. In the beginning was the Word. And then John comes back and says, several generations later and says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about a few things. But today, so let's begin with the word. And this is the word I want to begin with, incarnation. Incarnation, the word became flesh and dwelt among us incarnation what does that mean well fleshment or in flesh i'll say like this taking on flesh john says it like this that jesus became flesh so if we're going to return to any kind of cultural and personal impact that the early church experienced hear me we're going to take a journey and we're going to point these things out but the first one is incarnation second we're going to talk about reputation Third, conversation. Fourth, confrontation. And finally, transformation. This is our journey that we're going to walk. But let's start with incarnation today. Because that's where Jesus began. He came to earth. So get this picture. Incarnation. What does that simply mean? He came to earth. He moved into the neighborhood. Right? He got a flat tire in that apartment complex. Hello. He fought traffic. He stood in line at Starbucks. Right? They got his order wrong at Chick Fil A. Come on. Are you hearing me? The word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Meaning that he dropped into our world. Whoo! Because before Jesus, God was an idea for many people. For many, he was presence. His presence was in specific places. But before Jesus, no one knew what God looked like. So because Jesus became flesh for the people of that day and for us today, we have to understand that Jesus is the truest definition of love, peace, kindness, right? Grace, healing. He was the truest form of missional. What does missional mean? Missional means to go, going, going. And so to be missional means to be someone who views themselves as going, someone who has been sent on a mission. And hear me, missional is what? From being a follower of Jesus, understanding that we're not just here to take up space, but that you're called for something. And the word incarnation is not the what, but it is the how. It's the how. Its focus is on how we go and whether we're going the way Jesus or not. You've been called to a mission. Don't you understand that, that, that uh, for many years of, of, of my life, I grew up in churches that said, get your purpose, find your purpose. Go on that hunt for your purpose. You'll find it. Are you there yet? It's another year. Find your purpose. Hey, new year, new me. It's a purpose kind of year. And we chased our purpose. We did it until I came into a revelation of the gospel. You know what's been my purpose from the beginning of time? It's to know Jesus and to be known. That's it. (laughs) All that other stuff that you do, it's an assignment. Assignments change from season to season, from hour to hour, from Day to day, they they change. But all along and all the while, I'm expressing the very life and nature and characteristics of Jesus. So to be known and to know who Jesus is, is my purpose. Haven't we got it yet that there's always going to be questions that are bigger than are today? meaning that we're always going to have questions for tomorrow's future. Always. We're always going to be asking, what's going to happen in the future? We're always going to be asking, what does this look like for me and my family in the future? What is going to happen? But hear me, Jesus came. Jesus knew that the best way to help straighten out all that confusion was to reveal the Father's heart. He said, I came to reveal the Father's heart. You didn't know the Father, now you know the Father. I came to reveal the Father's heart. So God, in human form, took on flesh and actually embodied grace and truth for you and I. And now he invites us to be a part of this life. That people in our society, in our circles, can get an accurate picture of who God is. (laughs) that we can get an accurate picture of who God is. So what were they confused about? I believe it's what many people are confused about today. Is God love? Is God good? Is God really light? Is God perfect? Is God gracious? Is God perfect justice and When we look at Jesus, we see that he's all those things, that he is good, that he is love, that he is light, that he is perfect perfection, that he is truth. He is justice. He is everything that is right with unconditional love. So hear me, because to see the only perfect image that bears the fullness of the good of of love and light and beauty and truth and justice here on this earth, where do we turn? We turn to the incarnation of God, which is Jesus. That's who we turn to. All the time, every day. And God has revealed his character and nature in the person of Jesus. Through Jesus, we know God. Flesh. Jesus in and through us. Through Jesus, we come to know God. Why is that important? Because, hey, Jesus didn't come to save us from God. God wasn't looking for someone to punish. Jesus didn't save us from God. He came to reveal God as Savior. Why is this important? Because Jesus didn't come to enable God to love us. He came to reveal God as love. Why is this important? Because Jesus didn't come to reconcile God to the world. He came to reconcile the world to God. Are you getting this? God was not against us. No, he was not our enemy. And Jesus wasn't some kind of substitute to stand in the middle of us and God. No, Jesus came to reveal the Father's heart towards you and I, to embrace us, to give us life, to give us what we need. And hear me, we have to understand this more than ever, more than ever. Tim Keller, a popular author, says that in his following book, that Christianity is respecting people's unbelief. Now hear me. It's about walking into their world of experience and helping them see the true God. That's the real thrust of being the incarnation and missional kind of church carrying the presence of God tangibly into whatever environment you find yourself so that those who don't yet believe can receive a chance to accurately see who God is. So think about your past for a moment. Have there been things that have made it difficult for you to see God clearly? I know I have. My parents were very gracious Very loving, kind people. But in the church, man, there were some mean people. They said, you're welcome. They said, we love you. But they didn't always act on that. So I got a distorted view of who God was. Well, those people say they're right. Those people say that they're loving and caring and kind and that they'll be there for us. But, man, they're not treating my parents right. Are you hearing me? Many of us have experienced things in our life and it's distorted our view of God. But no one looks more perfect than God, than Jesus. Are you hearing me? No one. I don't care what pastor you look up to, there's going to be a day where he says something that may offend you. (laughs) Someone that you call close, a family member that you depend on. One day they're going to say something that offends you, that hurts you. They may not even... Be able to be there like you want them to all the time. Are you hearing me? The only way you get a true perfection picture of God is through Jesus. And listen, tough times are going to happen. And we humans struggle all the more to believe that a loving God exists. But nothing disorients a person more dramatically than religion. Religion really What it does, it disguises itself as beneficial. And and, and it says, hey, do this and you'll benefit from it. And it ends up dragging people away from God. Not carrying people to God. And did you know that religion was the very first mistake? (laughs) It was. It was the very first mistake that ever happened in the history of the world, and you can give that credit to Adam and Eve. That's right. And if you look at Genesis 3, it says that Adam and Eve, after they made their decision, they felt ashamed. So what did they do when they, felt, when, they, when, they, when they felt that shame? Well, they decided to sew fig leaves together to try to cover up themselves, Right? In other words, they try to cover up their nakedness, how they were shameful. In other words, they try to fix themselves and to fix the rift in their relationship with God by human effort. Can I tell you that religion is just that? That whenever you go to work and try to fix your relationship with God, anything that you do to try to fix your relationship with God, self-effort, legalism. Self-righteousness. There is nothing that you and I can do to fix our relationship with God other than to trust him for what he did. Because he is enough. He's enough. That's the essence of religion, though. To trick people into believing that it's possible to earn your way back into good standing with God. Did you know that the church doesn't exist to convert people? Did you know that? A church doesn't exist to convert people. Here's what happens whenever you invite people to your local church, okay? Maybe, maybe not some, but I would say there are some in the bunch that probably think this way. Hey, come, to, come with me to church On Sunday, come with me to a gospel circle on Sunday. Do you know what they're thinking about? They're thinking, man, you're trying to make me into a Republican. You're trying to make me into an Assemblies of God member. Wait a minute. You're trying to make me uh, into a good person, aren't you? That's what people think. But I tell you, the church doesn't, doesn't exist to convert. It's all about a relationship. You know what it's about? It's about adoption. People need to know that Jesus came to adopt them into a family. Your local church is a family. Perfect picture of a family. The local church, a diverse church like this, is a family. We come from different backgrounds, different understandings, right? Different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And we come together and get this We're not always going to agree with one another, but we're a part of the family. And because we're a part of this family, we can walk with one another. You know what a family does? A family allows people to process and grow in a safe environment. That's a family. The church of God is a family. Many of us have come into this family, and we're trying to figure it out. Because we don't know what it looks like. All we know is that God saved us and poof, we ended up here because someone invited us. Now hear me, as I process, as I process what that looks like for me and my life, as Jesus reveals more and more of who he is to me, I get to do it in a safe environment that's called the family of God. The family of God is important. The church of God is important. Because we're all processing things if we're being honest. We're all asking questions if we're being honest. And none of us have the right answer other than Jesus did it. Jesus is good. And he loves you. And he saved you. And he is enough. (laughs) He's enough. I talked to many wonderful people throughout the week and hear me. There's a lot of things that I used to try to conjure up because I didn't have a revelation of this Jesus. I tried to give them good advice and there's times for good advice, but good advice never saved anybody. Never did. Good advice never changed anyone's heart. Never did. All I can do is say the name of Jesus, point them to Jesus, Reveal Jesus to them in the scripture and reveal and allow them to see themselves in Christ's story. That's my role as a pastor. Not to convert, but to remind them that they've been adopted into a family. And to a family. And so in John 17, when Jesus is praying for his disciples, he prays that you and I would have the same kind of relationship that Jesus had with his father. And isn't it interesting to consider that Jesus never prayed, never once, that there would be a world religion called Christianity to begin. No. He didn't even pray that you would attend church services. He prayed (laughs) that you would experience this relationship with him. Now, I'm going to be honest for a second. Because what we see in the church world today, there's a lot of stuff going on. I've seen pastor after pastor quit or get caught in a scandal and believe me, they need grace just as much as we all need grace. But what's happening, if you can see, is in the church world, man, the stuff that used to excite us, the hype of it all, <laughs> has been taken away. Because people want authenticity. They want They want substance. The hype has been taken away. And when the hype is taken away from the American church, do you know what you're left with? You're either left with nothing at all or the foundation of your faith. And can I tell you that here at Calvary Church, We've been so blessed to be sitting under the gospel, the new covenant, the finished work of the cross. It's the foundation of our faith that you can tell me, you can try to take anything from me. You can take my house, my cars, you can take people from me, but one thing that you cannot take away is this message. You can't. And this is what God has done for you and I, he gave you a messenger, but he gave you a message. The true gospel. The gospel of grace that you reign through and through in this life. That you have power and authority no matter what's happening around you. That you can take your focus off of the confusion and set your eyes on the firm and secure promises of God the Bible says that all of God's promises find their yes and amen in Jesus. If you're looking for anything today, if you're looking for an answer to a question today, look no further than Mr. Yes and Mr. Amen, who is Jesus. This is why Paul can, this is why Paul can be in the middle of a prison with nothing to his name and say, "I rejoice, I rejoice. Why? Because you can't take the message. You can't. And so when it comes to our future, I'm not afraid of my future. Oh, what a statement of faith. I'm not afraid of of my future, I'll go even a, f- a little further. I'm not afraid of the church's future. I'm not afraid. So where do we begin, Pastor? Hear me. I think we should start with Jesus started, right there, dropping in to people's lives and the rhythm of their life. And I'm not telling you, add more stuff to your schedule. I'm not telling you to do that. What I am telling you though is that many of us in the Church of America, what we've done, we've made a mistake on making missionaries as someone who leaves this country and goes overseas. Listen, you can be on mission. You can be a missionary to your neighbor. You can be on mission to the people across the street, to the people at your jobs, to the the people in this in this city. Are you hear me? There are people who need to hear the name, to need to see the, who Jesus is in this world. And it comes by us to declare and demonstrate this good news to everyone, every day, everywhere. I'm telling you, more than ever, we need to know that we are the expressions of Christ here on earth. God desires to express himself through you just as he expressed himself through his son. And you can learn how to see yourself as that. I want to invite you for the for the upcoming months to go on a journey with us. Go on a journey with us as a local church. Many people have asked, how do I I grow, Pastor? How do I spiritually, what do I need to do? And, And hear me, to learn more about Jesus is learning more of who you are. But there are some things that we can do today, choose, meaning receive the life of Christ. For those of you online, choose, receive the life of Christ. The second one is to connect. Meet our team. Complete grace walk. Start building relationships in the local church. I like this one right here. Contribute. What does that mean? Attend weekly weekend gatherings, which is what you're in today. But also weekday gatherings, which are our gospel circle. Start start serving on the dream team. Be a part of the team, giving, invest in this mission, and then invite others. You know why gospel circles and weekends are so important? I was talking with an individual this week, and I told him, hey, change the way you think. You know a lot of people's problem is they, they don't even know what to think to change the way they think. So when a pastor says, hey, change the way you think, Cause God doesn't see you like that in your trouble, in your mess. You don't even know what to think. Gospel circles teach you what to think in the middle of the chaos. <laughs> That's the best way I can explain it. It empowers you on knowing what to think in the middle of your mess. And lastly, continue gospel Institute. Many of you are going to lead a gospel circle. There's going to be internship. Live the abundant life. Come on, we believe that in 2021, the called out people, the people that see themselves as Jesus sees us, we're going to live the abundant life. Yeah. Things may try to reign over me, but hear me. My God is bigger. Christ has given me power and authority to speak and declare things right here. He taught us how to pray, declare things on earth as it already has been in heaven. We declare those things. Today, if you want to join me, go ahead and stand up all across this room. I'm going to invite our prayer partners today. There's going to be some specific areas that we pray about that we declare over you and your family for just a few minutes. Hang tight with us. But we want to pray for you today. And those of you online, we want to pray for you too. Declare God's promises over you today. You're a part of this. God has invited you to participate, express his life here on earth. Every hand lifted in this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, God. We are your church. We're not left alone to battle it on our, by ourselves, but God, you had given us everything that we need to conquer and rule and reign in this world. Jesus, I declare over my friends today that they would see themselves as victors and overcomers in Christ. They're not hopeless bystanders in this world. But Lord, I thank you that they are going to use their voice to declare your promises. Thank you, Jesus, that today we are adopted into your family, that today that, God, you are teaching us what it looks like to be a son and a daughter in your kingdom. Today, Lord, I thank you that you're reminding us of how blessed we are. We thank you, Jesus.